Hello and welcome to Tammy Kinders. As you may be aware by now, Tamagindis literally means I wonder in Manx. And that's the premise of this whole programme, things about the Isle of Man that we wonder about. Indeed, they can be things in your house, they can be a path, they can be something that you think, how does that work? Or things that go bump in the night. And that's where we'll start this week, because if you heard the Hopchine special on Saturday, you will know that a few weeks ago, uh, Chris Pearson, Howard and I went up to Milntown once again, a revisit. Uh, we did the, the first trip there last year. Mm. And it was to see if there was anything that went bump in the night. We picked up a few little bits and pieces the first there time knocks, we were there. Some, yeah, and um, there were some interesting sounds we heard. Yeah. Uh, didn't yeah. Actually, a couple didn't make it onto tape, but some footsteps maybe, or yeah. thumpings and some knockings from upstairs. But anyway, this time, um, there was something that was picked up on a recorder. And I think it's fair to say, you and Chris didn't actually experience anything where you were sleeping. We didn't. But there was Nothing. something that was picked up on the recorder. If you didn't hear the special programme, this is what it was. So, to all intents and purposes, that sounds like footsteps. Um, do you want to play it again? I have to say, I can't make it out into anything else other than that. So yeah. this was upstairs. So this was Chris's machine. I brought a recorder. Chris brought a recorder. We put new batteries in. They both lasted about five and a half, six hours before the batteries died. Yeah. We left a sort of timestamp. So uh, again, we heard the program. Chris was saying, "Right, it's one thirty. We went to bed about one thirty in the morning. This was around about, I think, looking at the timestamp from there, about three forty-five-ish. Yeah, that sort of time. And this was Chris's recorder, which wasn't on the floor we were on. It was the next floor up in a corridor and on I think a table I think we put it in a little room where some work had been going on and there certainly have been sounds heard in the past but uh, have another listen again and see what you make of this have another listen so that's just white noise I've seen them one bang It's so and then weird. I think again, yeah, yeah, it sort of goes away again. I so weird. I must have heard it hundreds of times now, and I still can't get anything out no. of it other than footsteps. It just sounds like footsteps. So you might have heard also um, on the special program we spoke to Charles Gard, who's the director of trustees up at Milntown. Um, he's always been very adamant he will not stay in the house, but he was happy to be with us there earlier in the evening, and we played him uh, those footsteps. I think it's fair to say there was a little bit of disbelief from him, really, because it just sounds so clear. So I thought what I'd do is I'd catch up with Chris Pearson, uh, who's been self-isolating, um, and just get him to run us through what happened. And first of all, he explains to us just how that recording was made. So the way we do this, we recorded, I left the recorder, as you mentioned last week, upstairs, uh, running all night long, and then I brought it back. And it was a few days before I got around to listen to it. And the way we do it is I loaded it onto my laptop computer, and the, the little software we use enables you to see... Uh, spikes, audio spikes, which you can then zoom in on and listen. And I'd listened to a couple of things, and there were some some clunks and bangs and odd things, most of which you kind of go, that's an old house, it creaks and moves and, and whatever. And then suddenly I, I zoomed in on this thing that was, that was multiple small spikes. And as I zoomed in, I thought, wow, this is this is very strange. This is 
I don't know, maybe something rattling on a window or, or, or the wind picking up. Don't know. And when I listened to it, it was the footsteps. And oh my word, um, had had I not been in the house and locked in and staying in the same room as Howard, I would have seriously thought that it was something that we'd done to each other. But we did have that thing at the beginning of the whole session where we said, uh, "Let's make this straight. Let's let's not wind each other up because." Not being sort of disrespectful to Milltown, but I can think of better ways of spending a Saturday evening than sleeping on the floor in a sleeping bag or wrapped in a duvet. Um, so if you know, let's do this straight. Let's make it straight. And, and I listened to it and listened to it three or four times, and then just sent it to Howard and said, "You need to listen to this now." And we played it to Charles Gard, chair of the trustees of Milltown, and. I think it's fair to say there was a certain amount of disbelief because he said it almost sounds like a sound effect that's been added afterwards. And I know, as you said, I mean, the, we all had that agreement that we weren't going to mess around like that. There was no point in doing something like this if we were going to do that. But I suppose we just need that absolute assurance that the recording was not tampered with in any way. Absolutely not. No, certainly not by me. Certainly not by me. Um uh, and so, therefore, you know, what you left with, you left with Howard. Well, Howard didn't leave the room all night. The two of us were together. Had he woken up and moved, even to go to the loo or something, I would have heard him. We were sleeping in the same room, uh, sort of 10 feet apart. We would have heard each other. I know I definitely didn't leave the room. I'm 100% sure Howard didn't leave the room because I would have noticed stairs creak, things move around. He would have had to have woken up, undone a heavy door uh, with, with the handle, walked up some creaky stairs, got into a room above. I would have heard him. I would have heard him. Uh, and I did wake up a few times in the night. Uh, just sort of, oh, what's, what time is it? Look at the watch, go back to sleep. So the only other logical explanation is that somebody was either already in the house with us or came into the house whilst we were sleeping. Now, we locked the door behind us when uh, Charles and you guys left. We locked the door behind us. Uh, we know it was locked. Uh, there was no other way into the house. And if there is somebody already staying in the house, as I think Charles mentioned last week, he'd like to know about it. There was there was no one else there. We checked pretty much every room, every space uh, without going into the attic, admittedly. But again, you know, and I think the weirdest thing with those steps is they they they, they sound as if they approach the recording equipment, which was basically a little digital recorder that I left in the middle of the room on the floor, put it onto record and just left it and walked away, shouted out of time uh, as I left the room so that we could work out if we heard a noise, which is how we know that was sometime after four o'clock in the morning. Um, so there's no way those, ste- those steps seem to approach the recorder. They don't seem to walk away, though. That's the weirdest thing. So so I would have presumed you found somebody standing next to the machine the next morning and there wasn't anyone. It's really odd. And I think the only thing we need to do now, I guess, is arrange time to head back there. I mean, I was also wondering whether we could get this recording analysed in any way, because it's so clear. It is almost beyond belief. Completely. Absolutely. And I, I think it was Charles that came out with the line that it sounds a bit like a BBC sound effect. Um, and and I, I can get that. I laughed when I heard you mention that last week. And I just said, actually, do you know what? It, it really does. Uh, and they, they'd have been proud of that. I think the thing that I like the most, it's uh, when you hear it, it sounds, the footsteps are really clear. And then it, and then it sounds like they're sort of crunching on gravel or whatever. And if you go into that room, of course, uh, there is plaster on the floor where they're sort of doing some renovation work in the room there are there are small patches of plaster and bits and pieces so whatever it was sounds as if it was meant to be there uh, if you catch my drift yeah ghosts shouldn't make noises to... like that should they <laughs> who knows is there a rule book oh, for ghosts that well, what they can and do? oh but i just know what's going to happen we're going to have to go back there and you're going to make us sleep upstairs now i just know this is going to happen 
Well, this is this is kind of payback for for, for last year, isn't it? Where, where, where you all ended up sleeping downstairs. I assumed you were on the same floor because they've been sort of wandering around the house and, and went to bed, and you were all two floors below me. Yeah, this is payback time now. Uh, no, I just think it's it's one of those things. There's a bit of me that says uh, it will be good to go back on mass and see if anything happens, but there's also a bit of me that says. Uh, maybe on a separate occasion, what I'd like to do, what I'd really like to do is go up and, and leave maybe half a dozen digital recorders uh, scattered around the house, maybe two in each room so that you can't, if, if you hear something on one, you can't go, okay, it's only on one, that might be a fault with a machine. If there are two machines in the same room that have picked it up, that's definitely a noise in that room. Um, and just maybe set them up at about, I don't know, half 11, quarter to 12, something like that, and just leave them running all night, um, which with no one, and then leave the house so that we know the house is empty any footsteps any noises any voices if you remember last year we actually caught some voices as well um very distant but some some definitely it sounds like human voices speaking as opposed to (laughs) we best not to best not to but um so i think you know there's a bit of me that says probably two trips one trip yeah let's go back on mass and another trip i would like to go up just set some recorders and just leave them running through the night I'll volunteer to do that trip then. Um, Chris, thank you very much indeed. (laughs) The mystery continues. Well, you're right there. It really does. You're right there. It is. I really do not know what to make of it. As Chris was saying, I'm absolutely totally believe him i don't think he no definitely it. not from two years back he said oh no. we're going to do this there's no point in messing he was around. the one Otherwise, that was most adamant wasting actually. our time uh, and i really like to think he wouldn't <gasps> allow you and me to make a program based on something he's just been messing no. around with it just doesn't add up i'm afraid it doesn't he, he so a number of things we need to do we need to see if we can get that recording analyzed head back up there as he says leave a number of recorders if we could leave some um video recorders as well that would be good and then yeah just see what happens but Hey, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Although the interesting thing I would say as well was, again, you just wonder, will it be, will any activity be elsewhere? Because that night we were there, we went round, and the reason Chris and I went into the green room, and I thought about being back downstairs, and part of you thinks, oh, all right, safety in numbers to a degree, obviously, if you're slightly nervous at all. But also it's a case of the mediums and the people have been going around being so adamant that the activity, most active, activity been in the green room. Uh, we gone there and thinking, right, if anything did happen, then obviously if Chris just said, I, I definitely saw something or the chair moved. You were together, yeah. We both saw it. That's far, you know, much more difficult for people to say, no, no, you're just dreaming, Chris, you'd nod it off. Yeah. Um, so, but then, of course, the activity was elsewhere. You just think, if we go upstairs, you can just believe now that the that activity, activity would be in the green room. It's like that advert, isn't it? The Kit Kat advert where the uh, pandas come out dancing as soon as she turned her back. That's what it's like, isn't it? They were just it doing is. a party wherever we weren't. But anyway, this is Tamagindis on Manx Radio, and I'm sure in the few, next few weeks we'll have some more mysteries from Milntown. But speaking of mysteries, this challenge section is a mystery to most people, I think. But every week we do a little bit of a challenge. Um, On last week's programme, it was a stomp rocket, which had been in H's garage for quite some time. 10, 15 years. Um, And this week, it's another one of yours. Let's find out what's going on here then. Bit of simple science. Here we go. Well, here we are, back in our favourite spot, the Manx Radio Kitchen. I'm standing with Howard. Oh, right, sorry. Yes, of course. Painting those audio pictures for you. We are in our white coats and our goggles are firmly placed on our faces. By the bench. Yeah, I'm lying. We're by the sink. Um, Sink, as we call it, yeah. Yeah. There is a green fruit shoot, other drinks like that are available, I'm sure, bottle in front of us filled with water, and something amazing is about to happen, is it? 
Well, that's the idea. It's another one of our sort of water pressure ones. So as you say, you might recognise this fruit shoot, fruit shoot bottle. I can't say it. Fruit shoot bottle from a previous experiment. You kept it. Uh, I think the last time we used this, this was a rocket. Right. Uh, and what's it going to be today? So today it is, it's a bit tricky to see, but it's actually uh, full of water, uh-huh. as you can see. So now what I need to do then, so what I'm going to do is if... As you can see, it's full of water and it's okay. So if I just take this phone and if you just hold the bottle and then carefully just give the colour a half twist. Am I going to get wet here? Well, try it and Why see. Why don't you do it? I think I'd feel a little bit more confident if, if... No, I think it's better if you do it because then we get the element of surprise. So you need to you need, you know, just hold it on oh, the... Keep oh it on, there. The, on there and just hold it there. Hold it at the top. Hold it at the... Yeah, and then just give the, give the little collar a half twist and see what happens. Nothing. No, I'll try a little bit more. And we'll see. Okay. <laughs> oh, maybe it's quite, maybe I've done it tighter than I thought. Just need to give this little twist there. Oh. I'll tell you what's going to happen is I'm going to open it. <laughs> is that it? Wait a minute. Is that it? Let's try again. Here we go. That should do it now. Right. Okay, and let go. Oh, oh my goodness, it's got holes in it. <laughs> what did you do? There we go. It did get there in the end. I think it's a bit tight. Oh, it stopped again now. There we are. Gosh, that was exciting. Well, we got there in the end. There was a little bit of a delayed reaction there. But it worked in the end. So, uh, yeah, should we try it again? We'll try it again. Go on, you hold this and we'll try it again. Just out of interest. So, so essentially what's happened, we've got this little green bottle. H has put some holes in it. He's filled it up with water because he's, he's tied the lid on or put the lid on so tightly. It Obviously, the pressure keeps the water in. It doesn't go out of the holes. That's it. So, um, all, so here it is again. So, again. so you put it there like that, you see. Bottle's full of water, as full as we can get it. It's actually got holes in, but as long as the cap is screwed down, the water doesn't come out. And it's all to do with sort of um, air pressure again, isn't it? Because with the, water, with the cap screwed down, it's airtight. And so the water can't come out because there's nothing to, re- to replace it with. Whereas if we un- loosen the cap a little bit so the air can now get in, so you've got to do it enough for the air to get in through the cap, I guess. And as soon as the air can get in... Out it pops. The water will come out of the holes in the bottle until the pressure equals up, i.e. when the water drops down to the level of the holes. That is amazing. Wow. That's a good one, isn't it? That's great. It's another one of those curious ones where, yes, so in actual fact, you could have a bottle with a hole in out in your picnic, and as long as the cap was on, the water shouldn't come out. It's um, It would only be when you actually open the cap, so as long as you could then transfer it into something else, it wouldn't matter whether your bottle had a hole in or not, as long as the cap was on. I'd still probably keep it away from my sandwiches because there's nothing worse than soggy bread. You're right there. Nothing, well, yeah, nothing soggy is that good, is it? No, it isn't. Uh, not really. Uh, I love the element of enthusiasm and surprise in Beth's voice. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Do you it's know what terrific. it is? It's terrific. Oh, you finished your nuts? Um, yeah, I have. Go Sorry. Ahead. Do you know what it is? I um, I haven't got a scientific brain. So maybe that's why I'm not as enthusiastic as perhaps you are. That's what it is. Well, yeah, I don't really have a scientific brain, but I just love the whole science thing. I'd love to have been a scientist, but I don't have a scientific brain. But rather, as you say, you know, my maths was dreadful. Uh, you know, the complex ideas, I could never really get my head totally round. But I loved the fact any of these things... Uh, particularly the one we did do, I think, in a, a series two back, these ones with air pressure, I just always found amazing. So I think we did one in your kitchen one time where you get a, a can, 
you boil up the water and then you put a stopper in, leave the air tight, and it will crush under the pressure of air pressure. It just that was it, that was impressive. So that's probably more impressive than this one, but they're all variations on a theme. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm afraid the child in me still finds it fascinating. <laughs> and the it's because you've grown up and I'm not. Yeah, that'll be it. Yeah. The great news is um, we did do a video to recreate it, so that may appear on the Max Radio Facebook page as well. Yeah. We'll uh, but now this is another of our um, soon-to-be regular features, um, and I think we've called it. I wonder where that goes. Well, you have. Yeah. Um, and basically, this is the idea that when you're out and about around the island, you see footpath signs and sometimes you don't know where they go. Where does and that go? Where does that go? And we did one of these a few weeks ago when we were at Blackbreeing in um, Jerby, wasn't it? It was, yeah, up there, Little Lane. I've been going for several years up, uh, I don't know the name of the lane, whether it has one, Little Green Lane. It has been very good for blackberries, and it sort of goes on for quite some time. I clearly went somewhere, but I'd only go about halfway down. Then it got a lot thinner and boggy, and I'd stop and come back up again. So, uh, yes, and you've been saying, I wonder where that goes. So we thought, we'll see if we can get to the end of it. Easier said than done. OK, oh, look, there's loads more blackberries down here. So we get towards the end of this lane. You know what? I've come to this lane for years. Uh, and some lovely blackberries here, actually. It's sort of one of those lanes where it gets much narrower towards the end, and I suspect it could get quite a bit wetter as well. Uh, and this is where we don't actually know where this other side comes out. Uh, uh-oh, Beth's stuck. Uh, and as you can hear, <laughs> it's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit narrower here than it is further up. Right. This is so weird. It's, this is one of those things, isn't it? And I often think about this when you go to footpaths that are new to you on the island. It's like this has existed the whole time that we've lived here. You've never been? We've never been. Ah, yeah. That's the magic of the north of the island, isn't it? Unless you live in the north of the island, every time I go up, I think, I don't think I know that road. I don't think I've ever been in that road. I don't know that path at all. Where does that go? I still get lost if I get beyond Bride. Actually, it opens up a bit more down here, so uh, fingers crossed, it might not be too bad. Other than that, it is rather wet after the recent rain. It's definitely a boots job. So it does get a wee bit marshier down here, as we as we expected. Oh my god! Where are you taking us? Now that I don't know. We don't know, do we? That's the whole point. Well, did say it was going to be muddy. Put boots on, I said. It will be muddy. Oh, is that you making that weird noise? There she goes. Flipping it. This going. is the last time I trust you on an adventure. Did I say it was going to be muddy? You said it might be a little bit muddy. Not up to me, what's it? <laughs> it is pretty squishy, but I mean, it has been uh, pretty wet. Oh, Holly, you okay? Oh, my goodness, Jake's falling. Don't panic. Right, let's see how much further we can get. Do you want me to take a look? How marshy does it get? Right. Come on. I'll go and take a look. Right, you go and take a look. And see, unless we can go into a field and go around the outside. Because oh, it does right. get very marshy down here. I haven't worked that out yet. There must be some way around it. Right, let's take a look. Uh, I'll see if I can not fall in. Oh, actually, should I get my camera out just in case you do? No. That's a good idea. I want some food as well. So we are further, much further down. We just have a little detour around. It gets very marshy. And I suspect, as I said, the recent rain hasn't helped. But um, frankly, you probably do need sort of wellies rather than hiking boots on this one down the low part. I can't believe how beautiful it is down at the bottom here, though. The autumn sun is sitting quite low in the sky. We've just come up uh, 
past what might be the Len Trench. Is that what Could that be. was? Could be. I still don't know exactly where we are. I mean, it's not that far, but I mean, uh, no. we are down further down the I mean, We are heading back onto a road. It's actually heating this sun, isn't it? Woo! Real proper autumn sun. So, yeah, so we come back onto a farm track and out by the side of a house and then back onto a little road. So this is going to take us, presumably, back onto the Jerby Road somewhere. I'm intrigued. I've never done it before, though. It's one of those classics, isn't it? You know, you live in the Isle of Man for most of your life or all of your life and you still find these tracks you go down and think, nope, never been down that, never been down that. And this is one of them. Okay, let's uh, go on and see where it actually joins up on the main road. But we're back onto a metal road now, so, um, hmm, it's not that far, we're only talking about a mile or two. So here we go, yeah, here a car, down this little lane, back onto, I take this is a B road. Where are we, Beth? Where are Here. Font of information. How well, do I know? I've never been on here before. Let's see here we go. This sign is going to say so something useful. If we go straight ahead, we'd go to the Balaf Kuriks. If we go that way, then we go to Balaf and Jerby, and then the other way. Right. So that's what the Kuriks, the A13 Balaf's two and a half, A10 Jerby's two, and the A13, yeah, so we're on the A13, in fact, yeah, Sandergate Road. So one, just over one and a half miles to Sandergate, seven miles to Ramsey. And that's the end of that track. Well, who'd have known it? That's it. It is one and a three quarters miles, is it? Yeah, one and three quarter miles. There you go. As it by magic. So you're back on the road there. So I don't know, it's a nice little track that. I mean, it can't be other than that really marshy part, which just make it pretty unnavigable. It's a, a nice easy walk. Um, we'll have to go back up that way, I guess, unless we follow the road round. You're gonna pull me out of the mud? <laughs> I got a tractor. Yeah. Right, cup of tea. Oh, mind the cars. Oh, can't be the cup of tea at the end of a nice oh, walk. Oh, it was lovely. Do you know what? A lovely walk. I'm looking forward to doing many more of those. Oh gosh, that sounded close. Uh, yeah. Many more of those in the coming weeks. But we've reached the point of the program now where we take a dip in the Manx Radio Archive. I love this, especially when we hear some of the fantastic voices of yesteryear. And I think that's what we've got. This week. The Festival of Remembrance from the Royal Albert Hall, BBC Two's Radio Two Friday Night is Music Night, and currently, of course, there are melodies for you, and he is Richard Baker, OBE. <laughs> well, a very warm welcome indeed to our humble radio station here on the Isle of Man. Well, Have you been enjoying yourself? Oh, very much, I must say. It, it, it's, it's absolutely delightful. I've never been to Port Erin before. <laughs> I've been to Douglas when I did a couple of shows in the Gaiety some, uh, some years ago about uh, operetta uh, with a group of five singers and a pianist, and we had a great time there, I must say. But uh, we didn't see a great deal of the rest of the island, and uh, I think Port Erin is absolutely delightful, I must say. It except that um, today there's blue sky everywhere, except exactly where I am. A sort of black cloud <laughs> followed me around <laughs> on my walks. Nonetheless, it's yeah. very beautiful and gorgeous. Well, I understand, Richard, it seems incredible to me, I must say, because you I do sometimes wish that my listeners, you know, were, had the power or vision to actually see the two of us talking together because you look exactly as everyone would remember you and you sound What, in my open neck shirt and my <laughs> well, old sweater? <laughs> <laughs> but you're so instantly recognisable. Dressed for the country. Mm. What, I, what I was really trying to say was that 
it seems extraordinary that you've been celebrating the 50th anniversary in the business. Now, when you started, all presenters delivered the news, didn't they, in faultless BBC tones, devoid of accent or, or opinion through expression, what was sort of known as perceived pronunciation. But I gather that there was this formidable BBC voice trainer called Fanny MacLeod. <laughs> oh, yes, so oh, goodness, I'd, I'd forgotten. She about considered that. your Cockney A's. Uh, wow. Yeah, the wonderful yeah. Geraldine Jameson there, one of her fantastic and interviews. Richard Baker. I know, incredible. Yeah. A man of my youth, as it were. I just oh. loved her being in the Evernote. And she talks about, yeah, wouldn't it be wonderful to see us predicting video? Well done, Geraldine. More, same time, same place, next week. Till then, bye-bye. <laughs>